everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Two Roads Converge, where pop culture meets history. I'm your host, Morgan Hume, on this podcast where we explore the history behind different movies, writing, music, and other forms of pop culture, and how they continue to live on today. New episodes are released every other Monday. Even if you slept through your history class in high school, chances are there's been some historical fiction that has grabbed your attention. Books and movies about pretend stories set around real-life events are everywhere. How many of these things are you familiar with? And how much of the real history do you really know? Today, I'm going to talk about three topics. A few of my all-time favorite pieces of historical fiction, and the way these events have been adapted on screen, on stage, and in books. Also, before we start, I do want to note that these are pretty big topics, so I'm only going to skim the surface of each one, but if you'd like me to dive further into any of these, please let me know, and I'll try to do so in a future episode. Let's kick things off with Anastasia, the famous story about the Romanov family, a dynasty you may have learned about in a world history class or two. They ruled over Russia for around 300 years, and their reign came to an end in the early 1900s. They were a family of five children, four daughters, and one son one of which children, of course, was Anastasia. At the peak of their power, Tsar Nicholas, her father, controlled one-tenth of the world's surface. Essentially, every decision fell into his hands. But as the story goes, his power did not last forever. The family was violently and brutally murdered, Their corpses were burned and acid was poured over them. Their remains were not discovered until decades later, in 1979. Technology, obviously, has advanced since that time, and with DNA testing, we know now that the remains discovered definitely belonged to the Russian royals. But this information was not made public until much later in time. Originally, people were told that only the father was killed. This led to numerous people claiming they were one of his children, perhaps to try to inherit the riches the royal family left behind. This is also what inspired the story behind Anastasia, since it follows a young girl named Anya trying to convince people that she is actually the long-lost daughter of the Tsar. The difference with the fiction versus the reality is that the DNA evidence did confirm Anastasia did die along with her siblings and her parents. When the Bolsheviks took over, they wanted to erase every trace of the Romanov family. But of course, through movies and musicals and stories, the family's memory still lives on. The beloved animated movie Anastasia was released in 1997. 
although it's an animated classic following a royal family and a beautiful princess. It's not a Disney production. It's actually a 20th Century Fox animated movie. So if you were to say that Anastasia is your favorite Disney princess, that's not quite correct. The main characters were voiced by well-known actors like Meg Ryan, John Cusack, and Christopher Lloyd. The musical that came later was inspired by both the historical events and the animated film from the 90s. The musical is set in France in the 1920s, and it follows Anya as she tries to learn more about her past, her family, and where she comes from, all while a Russian officer is following her and trying to keep her quiet. But with the help of a pair of con artists, they help her reunite with her biological grandmother, and it's discovered in the show that she actually is the real Anastasia. I was fortunate enough to see the show on Broadway last year on a trip to New York City, and I thought the costume design is so beautiful, especially the red ball gown Anastasia wears in Act 2. Like me, many fans will recognize the songs like Journey to the Past, And once upon a December. If you haven't seen it, I can confirm that it's even more magical to hear these songs performed live on stage rather than just through your TV or on stereo. The show has toured throughout the United States and it's also been staged in Spain, the Netherlands, and Germany. Moving on to another childhood favorite, set in America this time, is Little House on the Prairie. The story started out as a popular children's book series by a woman named Laura Ingalls Wilder. Wilder was born in Wisconsin in 1867 and grew up as a poor prairie girl herself. Throughout her life, she suffered hardships, which include losing her infant son after only 12 days, her husband's stroke leaving him paralyzed, a house fire, and their crops failing from bad weather. But despite all this, Ingalls always said she believed working hard and making sacrifices would bring rewards. Due to some setbacks in life, she had to move around a lot from home to home. And while she was moving, she kept a journal and wrote down everyday details of the trip. Inspiration for her stories deeply stemmed 
from her own life and these journal passages. But the book series did not come along easily. After her parents and her sister passed away, Wilder knew it was time to finally write about her past, to make sure her beloved childhood memories were documented. Her story originally began as a memoir called Pioneer Girl, but some publishers told her it would actually work better as a fictional children's book. This change in writing is what allowed her to develop such distinct and lovable characters. Little House in the Big Woods was published in 1932, and the stories are still enjoyed by generations of people. But the book series wasn't perfect. Wilder lived in a much different world than we live in today, with a much different culture. In 2018, the author's name was removed from a book award that was given to successful children's writers because of the way she portrayed indigenous people and people of color. The Association for Library Service to Children released this statement in regards to their decision. They said, quote, Her works reflect dated cultural attitudes towards indigenous people and people of color that contradict modern acceptance, celebration, and understanding. But that doesn't mean people have necessarily given up on the books or the screen adaptations. The same way children got to know the characters from reading the book series, all kinds of viewers across America got to know the characters from watching the TV show, Little House on the Prairie. The series was wildly popular in the 1970s and early 1980s, and even I still watch all the reruns whenever they come on. Just like the books, the show was set in the 1870s in the Midwest, and it follows the everyday events of the Ingalls family, giving the audience a glimpse into what life was like back in those days. The hour-long episodes were on air from 1974 to 1983. Michael Landon played her father, Charles Ingalls, who I'm choosing to give a special shout-out to because, like many other people, he was my favorite character. And lastly, I want to talk about Les Miserables. Les Miserables? You know, you think with how big of a fan I am of the story, I would have more confidence in how to properly pronounce it. But I never studied French. Anyways, the story follows an ex-convict named Jean Valjean after he's arrested for stealing a loaf of bread and escapes from jail. He later rebuilds his life while secretly hiding from the law. He's later chosen to raise a little girl after her mother dies who we also see grow up and fall in love with a young revolutionary. The story has so many layers, and so many character stories are intertwined in the midst of turbulent and poverty-stricken times. Born in 1802, Victor Hugo, the author of Les Mis, is said to be the embodiment of 19th century France. But Les Mis wasn't his only great piece of writing. He also wrote The Hunchback of Notre Dame, as well as poetry. And his interest didn't stop at literature. In fact, they ranged from drawing, to politics, to photography, to engineering. 
Many people believe that Les Mis is set during the French Revolution of the late 1700s, but that's a common myth. Les Mis is set over a number of years since we see some of the characters age, but some of the core events actually don't happen until 1832. This is closer to the June Rebellion, also known as the Paris Uprising of 1832, which happened that same year. It was an anti-monarchist uprising of Republicans in Paris that lasted for two days. It began on June 5th, following the death of General John Maximilien Lamarck, and the musical even makes reference to the general's death in one of the songs. Speaking of the musical, it debuted in 1980 and has gone on to become the longest-running production in the West End in London. The show, which is told almost entirely through song, has shared its time on Broadway and has toured with different casts all over the world. Celebrities like Hugh Jackman, Nick Jonas, Russell Crowe, and Amanda Seyfried have all stepped in to play some of these famous characters on stage and on screen. My favorite is the film version of the musical that came out in 2012. I still remember sitting on the edge of my seat for nearly three hours when I saw it in theaters. It just transports you to the streets of Paris and inside the barricades with an amazing set design and cinematography, something that unfortunately the live stage just cannot replicate. And considering the film had a budget of over $60 million, that makes sense. Les Mis has been made into numerous other on-screen adaptations, some with music and some without. A recent one is a six-part TV miniseries airing from 2018 to 2019. The show starred Lily Collins and Dominic West. I actually read that Lily Collins tried out for the part of Ebonine for the 2012 movie, but the role was instead given to Samantha Barks, who was already well-known for playing the role on stage before the film came out. In this TV adaptation, however, Collins plays Fontaine, which I think is a much better role for her anyways, and she did a beautiful job of doing. It's interesting to watch the story progress without the songs and dances. I feel in these kinds of adaptations, the acting is what really stands out. Also, if you are unfamiliar with the story or the plot, it can be a lot easier to follow along. So, do you have a favorite work of historical fiction? What is your favorite song from Anastasia or Les Mis? 
let me know in the comments and don't forget to follow this podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Two Roads Converge for updates on the show and for additional content. Once again, new episodes air every other Monday. I hope that you were able to learn something new and interesting and that you'll join us here again next time. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.